This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today's show, we're going to talk about the ugliness of gas prices. Everywhere I go, that's what people want to talk about is how much gasoline is. And there are actually people that are saying, you know, that summer trip we're going to take, we're not taking now because of gas prices. And something else that's changing travel plans, sky high airfares. We're going to talk about that as well. So gas prices are a worldwide problem. And there's something I've been reading about people saying, well, what's this whole thing about our energy independence? I mean, if we're so energy independent, why are our prices going up just like everybody else's? And so this is where economics is truly the dismal science. Because oil knows no borders. What our production has done of oil and natural gas, making us the world's largest energy producer, is it's kept us from being at the mercy of countries that hate us. And the value of that is priceless. And so we have American companies that are benefiting mightily along with foreign oil producers and natural gas producers. So it is a mixed bag for the U.S. economy. When you look at the profits of the major American oil companies and then companies that we usually don't pay attention to, what are known as the refiners, the profits are unprecedented. At the same time, you and I are like emptying our wallets when we go to fill up. The U.S. economy is seeing both benefits at the same time for us and for people who don't produce oil, produce other things, are seeing the problems from it. And so, yes, it has been brutal for us as individuals, for us as families, and for companies that have to deliver goods, and they're now having to pay these huge prices. And driving down the freeway, when you see on truck routes, when you see the posted prices of diesel fuel, I mean, it's just unbelievable when you think those tractor trailer trucks are getting three, four, five miles per gallon, maybe six, and what they're paying per gallon to deliver those goods that you and I use. So, The gasoline thing is gross. Natural gas also has gone way up because of the Russian war in Ukraine. The invasion there completely disrupted the supply of natural gas around the world. And we have been shipping natural gas from the United States to our allies who are aligned against the Russian invasion. And that, in turn, has made our prices for natural gas go up. So the energy picture 
has been really, really messy. People adapt, though. A lot of people have been wasting money for years buying premium gas and vehicles that don't need it and putting in regular, which is putting at least 40 cents a gallon typically back into your pocket that would have gone to one of these oil companies. Also, people who knew that gas was cheaper at some places versus others but didn't do anything about it now are taking advantage of that. Just look at the gas lines at Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's Wholesale and Sam's and BJ's Wholesale both doing deals for their members where you jump through certain hoops, you get a discount off their discount of prices. But there's really only minor ways around. You know, if you go buy gas at the lowest cost place in your area, you may save a dollar a gallon. But then look what that cost is per gallon. This is going to be a really hard road for us for a while. I said for a while. How long? I, I said recently we should see some moderating in the prices when we get into September. But we're not going to see in the short term a return to more historical prices until Ukraine is resolved, however that ends up playing. In the meantime, it's going to be tough on the cost to fill up your tank. And the thing about not taking vacations because of the price of gas, I don't want to minimize the effect on your wallet of the cost of a tank of gasoline. We were talking with one of our people who drives a pickup truck. And what did James say his last fill-up was, Chris? Did he say 140? 150. 150 mm-hmm. to fill up his pickup truck. 150 bucks. And before the invasion of Ukraine by the Russians, he was paying half that mm-hmm. to fill up that truck. And so that means every time he gets on the road, runs through a tank of gas, that an extra $75, and I'm just rounding here, is coming out of his pocket. But I do want you to think about this. If you do a two-tank radius from where you live, you can get pretty far away from where you live. Let's say you get 500 miles, just to keep it simple, or 600 miles away from where you live. The additional money you're paying for fuel is worth it because of the experience you're able to have on that vacation that you would miss otherwise if you do a staycation. I mean, if you're out of money in your life, you're out of money, forget that. But otherwise, I want you to not destroy your summer vacation dream because of the price of gas. Maybe you stay in a less expensive hotel than you would stay in otherwise. Maybe you go, if you're going to an area with amusement parks, Maybe you go for two days to the parks instead of three. There are things you can do where you you can't negate the price of a gallon of gasoline, but you can cover it by modifying how you do that trip. I just want you to not let summer slip away without having that vacation. Maybe even rent an economy car if you've got a car like James has. He's a giant, giant car. Maybe renting a car could end up being cheaper. I don't know. Maybe it's just the cost of renting cars right now is so expensive. So Krista and I both drive electric vehicles. 
And we've talked about how as we've had more and more questions from people, if this is the moment they should go electric. And I've said, no, you wait till next year. And I'm going to talk about the strategies of buying electrics on a future show Mm -hmm. in more depth. But I just want to give you a little tip you may or may not have heard about. And that Chevy has had this vehicle that's been a marketplace failure called the Chevy Bolt, B-O-L-T. And they have cut the price of that vehicle a lot. And right now, they are being sold, manufacturer suggested retail, for 27000 and up, which is much cheaper than the average cost of a gasoline vehicle on average, which is over 40000 right now for a new one. And that way, you could get an electric vehicle at a much lower than normal price and pay uh, not nothing, but virtually nothing. For every mile you drive. And federal incentives on that too. No right? federal incentives no? Okay. because Chevy has um, has capped out just like okay. Tesla where they've sold so many electric vehicles, they don't qualify for a federal tax credit anymore. But you may, depending on where you live, qualify for a state tax state credit. But again, one. I'm going to explain uh, the strategies for buying an electric vehicle in full on a future podcast. We're going to do that next week, I think. Okay, oh. Elizabeth in Florida has a question. What is the best credit card to use almost exclusively for gasoline purchases? I'm referring to the perks such as cash back, gift cards, percentages off, etc. Um, Sam's Club. If you're a Sam's Club member, definitely the Sam's Club MasterCard. If you're a Costco member, not quite as good, but the Costco Visa card. The beauty of the Sam's Club MasterCard is if you fill up at a Sam's Club, you're getting already typically the lowest or nearly lowest price for gasoline in your market. And then you're getting an additional 5% off that price using the Sam's Club MasterCard. But wait, there's more. At most other places sell gasoline, except other warehouse clubs or certain supermarkets, you still get the 5% off. So you have the flexibility of being able to use that card and get the cheaper price on gasoline at Sam's or use it somewhere else and still get the 5% cash back. Now, in our review on Clark.com, the card that we gave the highest rating to is a card from Citibank for people that are not Warehouse Club members, and it's called the City Custom Cash. It's a no annual fee card, and... You, if shopping at gasoline is your top category each month, you're going to get the 5% cash back. But there's such a large percent of Americans that are Sam's and Costco members. Those are the other two highest rated cards that we have for buying gasoline at a cheaper price. And a tip from Gail in Georgia, the majority of drivers have no idea why there are 55 mile per hour speed limits around the U.S. The mighty Clark could inform younger drivers and remind the rest of us that this speed saves gas, therefore it saves money. Also at highway speeds, using the air conditioner uses about the same level of fuel as having the windows down. Yeah, isn't that funny? Let's deal with the second one first. People assume that if you're, if you just sweat in the summer and roll the windows down, that that's going to save you money on by increasing your miles per gallon. But because of something known as drag coefficient, having the windows down creates kind of like a sailboat sail effect on the vehicle 
And that's why air conditioning does not reduce your fuel economy versus putting windows down. Now, running around town, stop and go driving, you will get better fuel economy rolling the windows down and turning the air conditioning off, which is what I do often, even when it's a million degrees. And Lane will get in the car with me or one of my kids, and they're like, this car is like a million degrees. And I don't even seem to notice because I only notice cold. I don't notice heat. Now, the double nickel, the 55-mile-per-hour speed limit, was something that um, President Nixon and the Congress put into effect during one of the what were known as the Arab oil embargoes. The first one in 1973, fall of 73. And so we were way, way, way short of fuel because we weren't producing it back then. And the uh, Arab oil embargo just choked off our supply. And people, if you talk to somebody who was uh, around in those days, it'd have to be somebody older, I can tell you, the fuel lines were unreal. People would spend all night sleeping in their cars, lined up outside gas stations to get a couple of dollars of gas because we were just out. So the 55-mile-per-hour speed limit reduced from what had then been a 70-mile speed limit, uh, increased fuel economy 40%, or let me put it the reverse, Going 70 versus 55 uses 40% more fuel, at least it did, in the vehicles in that era. And that's why we had the double nickel speed limit. Once uh, oil became more plentiful in the 1980s, people wanted the need for speed back, and that's when the federal mandates on speed limits went away, and that's why we now have freeways like some of them in Texas, with speed limits of 80 or 85 miles per hour and a variety of mountain states with an 80 mile per hour speed limit because gas got cheap enough that people really didn't care about the fuel economy. Right now, people do care again. Speaking of speed, Rachel in Utah says Google Fiber has recently been made available in my area. I'm a permanent full-time telecommuter and I'm pretty happy with my current internet provider. Outages are rare and quickly repaired. However, occasionally speeds are a little slower than I would like. So my question, to switch or not to switch, what's your take? So people who've had Google Fiber overwhelmingly just love it. They want to marry it. Occasionally we'll hear a complaint from someone in an area where there's Google Fiber where they're unhappy, but that's very rare. You look at um, the most recent, I think it was American Customer Satisfaction Index, was the thing that rated the uh internet service providers with the lowest customer satisfaction of any industry in America. So I think there's a real advantage to looking at Google Fiber, seeing what kind of price they'll offer you. If you get a good deal from Google Fiber, I think it's worth it to take a chance switching to them because you're with the cable monster. That's the (laughs) that's the devil you know and you're wondering well they're okay we haven't had a lot of problems just slows down slows down at night by the way because of the way cable does internet they'll put to be cheap they'll put too many people on the same ring and then when a lot of people are home that's when the internet performance deteriorates and so the advantage with google fiber is you're gonna have a great connection 
you should, in theory, all the time at a price that will give you unlimited data. The big thing with the cable monopolies, the cable monsters, is they've been imposing these ugly, ugly, ugly data caps with massive overage fees, and you avoid that by going to Google Fiber. So if it were me working from home, I would consider giving Google Fiber a spin. I would try it for a month. If you don't have to enter into a contract, just compare them both and see if it's that much. So run both parallel? Right, spend the extra money and do one month with both. I know. You are the last of the big time spenders. Speaking of which, the cost of flying has gone sky high. You're probably really happy about it. Tickets costing more, more, more. Spend more money. Yeah. (laughs) So what are the strategies to deal with this? Because the high prices that we saw a month ago, they're not quite as bad right now, but they are still ugly. I want to talk about how to fight back. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I love to travel. I mean, I absolutely love it. Forever ago, I was in the travel business for a number of years, and I'm just one of those people who has travel in my blood. And so when COVID came along, my wife basically put us in lockdown, and I didn't step on an airplane for 13 months. I know getting vaccinated is a personal decision, but once I had both my vaccines, I was released and I was allowed to travel again. And I did. And I've been traveling ever since I got my second vaccine two weeks out. It was February 28th of 21. And I've been on airplanes ever since continually. And in 21, airfares were crazy, crazy, crazy cheap. I even took a $19 flight up and down the eastern seaboard one time during uh, 21 because airlines just couldn't get people in the seats. And now, different story. Here in 22, people are like, hey, I didn't get to travel for all this time. I'm going to do it. And so starting in the spring, airfares took off, bad pun, and they're generally about 50% higher than they were last year. And people have suffered extreme sticker shock with fares for this summer. But there's been a pattern over the last several weeks I want you to know about. Because here we are 
on the official cusp of summer, even though mentally for me, summer starts Memorial Day weekend, and airfares are starting to soften. Don't know if it's because of the moves of the Federal Reserve, raising interest rates. Don't know if it's because people are just running short of cash. Uh, Don't know if it's what's happened with the stock market, whatever. But things have started to soften. And the airfares have started, uh, depending on where you're going, to get better. Not back to where they were last year. That was just a freak occurrence because of COVID. But the airfares have still been about, oh, 20, 25% higher than they were pre-pandemic. And the reason for that is really crazy is because the airlines got rid of so many people when they were trying to survive early in COVID when flying basically stopped and airlines offered all these incentives for experienced workers to head out the door, airlines can't fly all their planes. Planes have been in storage. And so the number of aircraft available is not enough because we don't have the crews to fly them. Enough people working on the ground, enough people working in the air as pilots and flight attendants. And so that is really what's going on. Demand is near normal, near normal meaning nearly what it was, let's say, in 19, pre-pandemic, but the staffing is not normal. And so it's the shortage of aircraft that has allowed American, United, Delta, Southwest, Alaska to push these fares higher and higher and higher. I forgot JetBlue. Push them up and... There actually is a sweet spot in the market that most people are not aware of. When all those planes were parked, that created an opportunity for new airlines to start flying. And so around the United States, we have these pipsqueak, new discounters. The two most of note that I've mentioned before are Breeze and Avalo. And these two are quietly adding routes around the United States a lot of times to larger markets but secondary markets those that are not a focus of particularly American United and Delta and so you may live near an airport that Avalo or Breeze are serving and they may be an opportunity for you in the midst of these very high prices to find a deal and go take a trip somewhere just by driving at one end or the other to an airport that you may not normally think about flying out of and getting a deal. There's also great deals to Europe right now because of an airline that is not well known. It's kind of like an outgrowth of Norwegian that fell flat on its face flying a lot of routes from the United States to Europe. And Norse is now another Norwegian airline. And I probably mispronounced how they say that. But anyway, Norse is flying from a number of U.S. cities at fares that are really, 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 really cheap. 
And by the way, if you like a fancy seat, their premium seats are so much cheaper than they are on anybody else. You should look at Norse Atlantic and see if you want to take a trip to Europe. You know, it's been a few years since you've been able to go. Maybe take one of their flights over. So what places are they flying out of? Uh, Florida. Every discounter always wants to fly out of Florida. Ultimately, Orlando and Fort Lauderdale flying from L.A. and New York and flying to a number of places in Europe. You might want to check that out. And how reliable they're going to be, anything like that, who knows? And there are a number of these smaller, deep discounters that are now serving different markets in the United States for travel within the United States or to other places, they're an opportunity. But whatever fares you've already bought on whoever you bought them on, before you travel, see if the fares have dropped. Remember, even if the fare drop is not on the airline you originally bought your ticket on, you now have no penalty fee unless you bought a basic economy ticket. You have no penalty fee for holding that money almost like a gift certificate for travel up to the the limit that airline has one or two years. And so you can stay a free agent, know you have the seat, but know also that if the fares do drop to where you're going, you could save a lot of money. A friend of mine just texted me today that the fare on a flight he's taking to Colorado has dropped $400. $400. I mean, that's real money. Denver being one of the most competitive airports in the United States. And there are price movements that can be as dramatic as that if you keep shopping the airfare even after you've already committed to a ticket. Krista? I have some travel questions. This one's from Rick in New Mexico. Several weeks ago, I booked airfare for our family of four from L.A. to Tokyo for the second week in August. It was so unbelievably cheap that I could not help myself with prices starting at about $250 for the outbound leg and 400 for the inbound leg. Of course, this comes with a hitch. Japan is currently not open to all tourists and they seem to be slowly running some trials to permit entry. The pace of this is somewhat maddening for me as when I made the reservations, headlines at the time seemed to indicate that a full open was just around the corner. I ask for your opinion. Have I made a terrible mistake here or a calculated gamble worth hanging on to? So, the deal is, polling shows the Japanese people are very opposed to opening up to normal tourism. And the Japanese government, uh, all politicians follow polling, and the polling says they don't want us. And so unless that attitude changes in Japan or business interests, hotels, others that depend so much on the vital revenue that comes from tourism, unless they win the day, it may stay with these very restricted entry requirements that you alluded to. So Japan is allowing people to come in like these organized tourist pods. And so you move like in a, in a rugby scrum of people from place to place, hermetically sealed, and there's probably people in hazmat suits going next to you, spraying you with something. Make sure you don't like infect fun. other people. Sorry? <laughs> I said that sounds like fun. Yeah. So uh, they have just cracked the door open 
So here we are in June. Where are we going to be in two months? I don't know. I've been shocked how reluctant Japan has been to allow tourists back in full free form. They just increased it from 10,000 a month to 20,000 a month. And think about how many people usually would be going to Japan in a month. I don't know if it's in the millions or how many. It's a lot more than 10 or 20,000. So I would say, Rick, that this is almost like going to a casino and rolling the dice at roulette as to whether or not by August you'll be able to travel there. It's just too hard to call. Definitely keep us in the loop, though. We'd love to hear, and hopefully you get to go. This is from Genevieve in Georgia. I'm scheduled to depart on a cruise from Seattle on September 6th. That's the day after Labor Day. Given the past history of the airlines canceling thousands of flights over a holiday weekend, what day do you recommend to fly into Seattle? Uh, Go now. (laughs) You'll be there in time. No. So um, the greatest cancellations from airlines have been at the end of a month, not at the beginning. So any holiday that's at the tail end of a month is where the airlines have had by far their worst cancellation issues because people will run out of FAA-eligible hours to work as a pilot or flight attendant, especially with the pilot groups. And so that leads to these last-minute waves of cancellations. I always said for a domestic cruise to arrive the night before your cruise to give you some built-in time so that you're A-OK. Today, the recommendation, I've seen two days before. I've seen three days before. I mean, the worst that happens is you go three days in advance. It's a holiday weekend. If your flight goes off without a hitch, you do sightseeing in Washington State. Go see Mount Rainier. Go do stuff. Enjoy the area and that way you don't fret and you know you're there i can't believe that the airline industry is so unstable and so unreliable right now that we're talking about people having to arrive somewhere days in advance to feel comfortable they're going to make it now we went on a cruise two weeks ago and i actually just got back this past Mm -hmm. weekend and a huge number of people missed the cruise we sailed without them because of the unreliable airlines that so many flights were canceled that people just missed the ship and you know what the cruise lines say sorry yeah so there were our first cruise stop we sailed out of fort lauderdale our first stop was san juan and there were people who just got rerouted to san juan missed the beginning of the trip but got the rest of it. Oh, that's good. So they got part of a loaf instead of all of a loaf. Well, here's a story from Tom in Connecticut. My wife and I had booked a pickleball vacation to Hilton Head, South Carolina for an April getaway. We received the dreaded email at 6 p.m. from JetBlue. Our flight was canceled the next morning, but we can get on the following morning. This was a four-day getaway with clinics and tournaments. Getting there a day late wouldn't work well. The resort has a 24-hour cancellation policy, so what to do? We were out $2,000. We had a Clark flashback. We disputed it with the credit card company. I really wasn't expecting a favorable finding. Well, this morning I received notification from Citibank that the issue was resolved in our favor fully. 
How about that? How about that? Okay, so this is something we haven't talked about in probably two months. And I don't know if the card you had from Citibank had travel interruption protection built into it for using that card or not, but several of the credit cards do have that now. And this could be that you won on the dispute side. It also could be that the card you had from Citibank comes with this built in. And so it's really good with all the problems with the airline industry right now that you use a credit card that offers you delay protection, interruption protection, rerouting protection. They all have, they all sound really great, but you got to jump through all the hoops just right. But I'm really happy to hear that. Um, My daughter had a, problem with an airline where uh, she bought a fully refundable ticket and did not use that ticket and filed for a refund you had to you had to send an email instead of just being able to go in and cancel it the airline never refunded the money and so that's in dispute right now by her we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens with hers but the airline thing is really 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 messy right now and that's why You have to be on your game. Last thought for you, and I've said this probably 10 times over the last four months, but it bears repeating. When you have booked an airline flight, you need to check that that flight is still going as scheduled repeatedly because the airline may or may not notify you on a timely basis. I was actually doing a change of a flight and I went on to change the flight, and there was a red bulletin that said, your flight has been changed. Please see if you accept this Ah. schedule change. And I didn't even know. They had not notified me. I just happened upon it because I was changing the flight anyway. So if I had not stumbled across it, I could have gotten to the airport, and there was no flight for me. Mm. It's really important to be proactive and stay on top of it. Put it on your calendar. If you use a paper one or electronic one, you monitor what's going on with your flights because the airlines just flat out don't have it together right now. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. Know that we are here to serve you so many different ways at Team Clark, including with free one-on-one advice, a service we have offered now for just short of 30 years, You want to see how to get free one-on-one advice, information, guidance? Go to Clark.com slash CAC.